Welcome back. I'm Simi Lerner, and we are working our way through the works of Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch. We're now tackling the next commandment, the next mitzvah for the Jewish people, and trying to extract its meaning. And Rav Hirsch's lens really lends to giving us a deep, modern, rational, emotive explanation to why we should and are doing the commandments in the Torah. We're going to jump into Gid Hanasheh. Now, Gid Hanasheh is a really tricky one. First of all, what is it? You basically withhold from eating the sciatic nerve when you eat an animal. That's it. Now, it gets taken out by the butcher, obviously, but you don't really interact with it very much. But what's its historical context? What meaning does this symbol have distilled within it? Because that's always the important point when we talk about symbolism. Not to just think that it reminds you of something. It goes far beyond it reminds you of something. You're enacting an idea, a concept, a philosophy, a way of looking at the world. What is expected of us is distilled into an act, into what we are doing. Like what we had when we, we spoke about Bris Mila. We try to emphasize the importance of symbolism in how we experience our lives from a secular standpoint, but also from a religious standpoint. Symbolism is scattered throughout our lives. We couldn't do without it, both, as I said, from a religious standpoint and a secular standpoint. This is the sort of the unification of religion and life in general. They all come down to symbolism. They all come down to metaphor. We distill ideas into objects and images. When it comes to the Gid Hanasheh, this is one of the four. Now remember, there are four signs given in Genesis, and this is one of them. What we're going to do in today's discussion is put it into a context. Meaning arises from context. This is something you can experience in your own lives. If you have a context for an idea that adds to the relationships to the idea, it becomes more meaningful. To, to give an example of this, if I ask you what you ate for breakfast this morning, not exactly that meaningful. If I ask you what university you went to, well, that's significantly more meaningful because its significance gets heightened because of the relationships that are involved in going to college. So when we talk about the Gid Anasha, especially a commandment that's so distant from our experience, let's talk about its relationships to the other commandments given in Genesis, the other symbolic ordinances given in Genesis to heighten its importance and its meaning. And then in the next episode, we will break down the meaning. Let us begin. What are the four symbolic ordinances that are given in Boratius? We have Shabbos, we have the rainbow, we have Brismila, and we have Gid Hanasha. Now, this is an important pattern. Rav Hirsch lays it out as being two of them universal, two of them particular. Well, that's obvious. Shabbos is a universal concept. It relates to the entirety of humanity. The rainbow, too, is a universal concept. Brismila is particularly Jewish, and when it comes to Gidanosha, clearly that's Jewish as well. But Rav Hirsch sees a further layer to this pattern, not only universal in particular, he sees on one side one calling to our moral disposition, our mission as humanity, the other one according to how Hashem acts in history. So we are called to take both of these perspectives into account, the idea of mission and the idea of history. So now let's play it out. Shabbos. That universal. What is Shabbos? Shabbos is a universal statement to the importance of looking at the world as having meaning embedded in it. To play this out, if you believe in Shabbos, if you act out Shabbos, 
you are testifying to creation. Now, we are this Jewish, as Jewish people, we do it, but it's a universal concept. The concept of creation, not scientifically, it's not a scientific concept, but the dedicating oneself to looking at the world as if it was created means you will look at the world as having meaning part of it, as being part of it. For example, if God created, it means existence wasn't necessary. It had to have been chosen to be. Thereby, it didn't have to be, in which case there is a reason for it to be there. That moves away sort of existential and metaphysical nihilism. You look at the world as having meaning. How to find that meaning, where your place is in that world, the world can discuss that. But if you look at the world through the lens of creation, you don't ask, is there meaning? You ask, where is the meaning? You ask, where do I find it? Not, can I invent it? It's a completely different perspective on how you look at your experience in the world. That is Shabbos. The universal mission. And I say mission because purpose is mission. So you have the opening with Shabbos. Shabbos being mission, universal. The next one we have Noach, which was the rainbow. Once again, a universal, but in this stage, of how Hashem acts in history. What was the rainbow? That Hashem won't destroy the, the, the world again. Hashem will relate to humanity through the different lens. A lens of taking into account the diversity of the human experience and human tendencies. How Hashem acts in history is another principle that is key, that is given over through the rainbow. So you have the universal principle of Shabbos, which gives the moral calling to humanity. You have the universal symbol of the rainbow, which gives the historical perspective to humanity. How Hashem acts in history, and that being key. So you have the universal side. Now we move on to the particular, Mila. We discussed that last week, the idea of the mission to the Jewish people, to go before me and be complete. The bris mila, the covenant between us and God, the unique calling on the eighth day, that day that transcends the seven days of creation, the eighth day, which is the calling for the unique Jew. First a Jew must be a mensch, and then the calling of the Jew, which came to Avram at 99 years old. That was the calling of the Jewish people. That is our moral calling. That is our mission given over in Brismila. Then Rab Hirsch sidelines into Gid Hanosheh. That is the historical calling to the Jewish people. How Hashem will be with the Jewish people throughout history. Throughout the dark night of history. And now the meaning of the Gid Hanosheh will come to light. So just to recap this pattern, the four symbols within Boratius. Shabbos, Rainbow, Mila, and Gid Hanosheh. Universal, particular, mission, and history. But how does Gid HaNosheh give over how Hashem acts in history in relationship to the Jewish people? This is where Rav Hirsch opens up the story. What is the story? Well, Yaakov was struggling with an angel at night till the morning, and he held onto him until the angel agreed to bless him. What, that's strange. What, what is this telling us? Rav Hirsch actually uses the idea of dust Avak is used as a description of what was kicked up while they were wrestling. It's the, the, the language that is used for the wrestle, because dust gets kicked up. But the Medrash, or the sages, describe that it wasn't just the dust got kicked up, but the dust got kicked up to the heavenly throne. And like whenever we look at Reb Hirsch when it comes to the ladder and other symbolic ideas that are given over by Chazal, what does it mean that the dust reached the throne of glory? is that a cosmic expression, a cosmic symbol, was being lived out by these two in their wrestle. So let's break it down. Yaakov, 
symbolizing a certain way of looking at the world, Aesop, or the Tsar of Aesop as Chazal describe it, the genius of Aesop, the philosophical spirit, the, the idea that informs Aesop. But that's what a genius is. That word is a, in ancient Greek times, they would call a daemon, that which would inform your way of looking at the world. So then we have we the word insight, to be inspirited. This philosophy of Aesop, Yaakov is battling, and he battles it the entire night. Now, the night here is significant because the night of the time of battle is when things aren't clear. The consciousness of God, consciousness of our mission, consciousness of our purpose in the world is clouded. This is the dark night in which we struggle. There is a to and a fro, but the struggle throughout the dark night of history, of our exile, we struggle with this philosophy. We struggle with this opponent. And in the struggle with the opponent, we hold on. Now that's the key. We struggle, we hold on, but what happened in the midst of the struggle? We were injured. So if we play the symbolism out, in the dark night of history, we struggle, we fight, and we don't have a firm foundation. We lack this firm foundation that every other culture relies on, but we still hold on until the very end. And what happens when the light shines, when clarity arrives? They want to go. And what is the Jewish future redemptive response? Not revenge, not we will now get you. No, you cannot go until you bless us. What, what does it mean for you to bless us until you recognize, until you internalize, until you admit that we have been pulling history in the right direction, that we've been suffering and we have been at the same time, taking history in the right direction, that we have been a blessing to humanity, that we have been, as he calls him, Yisrael, a prince, a Tsar of God. Hashem's existence in this world is lived out by people acknowledging it and living it out based off the principle of his existence. You act in life in a way that shows that your life is predicated on something more fundamental, you're living out Hashem's existence in this world. You are pulling history towards its redemptive state. And not until this opponent can bless us with the acknowledgement that we are that prince, we are, as a people, that power of the Almighty in this world, will we let go. Now think of the power of that, of how you envision history, because it really does play itself out on, on both fronts. The Jewish people's lack of a foundation in this world, but at the same time, we are the ones who hold on throughout history. That is, an, that is a, a, a signpost or a, or a glimpse or a signal of transcendence of divinity in this world. That's Jewish history for you. Even if us as Jews are not living our life out to its full potential, we are not demonstrating Hashem's existence in this world through our actions, we do so by our very existence. By lacking that foundation, by negating the power, the, the, the political might that every other culture throughout history demanded, needed to survive, we have withgone. We withgo that. We withgo it in our own lives voluntarily to say that is not where our foundation lies. We rely on something more fundamental, and that itself shows Hashem throughout history. So to recap, the Jewish symbol of the Gid HaNasheh fits into a framework. A framework of four symbols within Genesis. Shabbos, the rainbow, Mila, and the Gid Hanosha. Either mission or history. The Gid Hanosha 
represents the history of the Jewish people, that we lack a foundation. We lack a foundation, and that lack of foundation is the evidence that we have, is the signal that God is with us throughout history. Because every other culture, without that foundation, disappears. But we remain holding. We remained holding throughout history until the nations of the world, when the light appears, where clarity is restored, they recognize and they acknowledge that what we've been doing is for them as well, has been for humanity as well. And that is where we get the name Yisrael. So that is the Gidanosheh. And put it succinctly, the Gidanosheh is the Jewish people's recognition that history for us is not on a foundation of power and might. It is not where everyone else relies upon. That part of the leg where you have your foundation, where you feel secure, Jacob was limping, but he held on throughout the dark history of the night. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week.